Broadcasting live from Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn, you're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.com. Welcome to We Dig Plants on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Carmen DeVito. And I'm Alice Marcus Krieg. And we are the ladies of Groundworks, Inc. And also the ladies of Brooklyn Blend Soil, aren't yes. we, Alice? Now yes. it's time to start plugging our products. <laughs> we just came back from an amazing trade show mm-hmm. in Baltimore called Mance. Pants? Mance. But you have to wear pants. You do. Because it's pretty burly. It is very burly. It's a lot of landscape. It's the Mid-Atlantic Nursery and Trade Show. Brought to you by Everest, otherwise known as Scott. Right, right. There were actually a lot of sponsors. And Allison and I had a really good time. It was last week. Last week. And that's Baltimore, why. Baltimore, Maryland. Yes. And we had great weather. We had great crab cakes. Great food. Yeah. Um, but we also learned a lot. Learned a lot about our industry. Learned a lot about, um, you know, what plaid and khaki goes together. Right, Alice? <laughs> <laughs> what uh, hiking boots are fashionable this year? That's right. Should you put your logo in an embroidered format or a silk screen? <laughs> or printed, right. <laughs> anyway. It was really fun. It was really fun to connect with other plant people. Yeah, and it was very serious, too. It's a huge <clears throat> show at the Baltimore um, Convention Center. Yeah, I think there were more than about, I think the, the show producers said close to 12,000 people there this year. Yeah, and um, the show covers over 300,000 square feet of contiguous exhibit space yeah. so that's big and you know whatever baltimore baltimore's faults um they have a better looking convention center than we do don't you think Alice? Yeah. it's yeah. way more attractive oh yeah than the javits Center. much nicer For sure. and actually better landscaped i must say shame on you javits beautifully shame landscaped. on you so alice and i thought we would talk about um what we Learn there. We found some new sources that we wanted to share with everybody. We found out what, what the trends are for this year. We found out what some of the nursery people, um, some of the issues that they're going to have to deal with in this new growing season. Um, yeah. Specifically, Alice, you want to talk a little bit about that boxwood problem? Yeah, there's a boxwood blight. Um, first, I want to give a little history, though. Oh, yes, yes. Of please the do. Mance <clears throat> Show, which is the Mid Atlantic Nursery Trade Show. Mm-hmm. Um, it was established in 1970 by the Maryland and Virginia Nurserymen's Association. So this is an old show. Mm-hmm. Um, they they took on a third partner in 1972, the West Virginia Nurserymen's Association. Nurserymen. Do you hear that, people? N- nursery nurserymen. Men. It doesn't say nursery people. <laughs> it says nurserymen. That's old school. <laughs> Very. Um, of course, they have a board of directors. Um, the first show was held in Williamsburg, Virginia in January 1971, and they only had six. 64 exhibitors and then they kind of moved around the mid-atlantic states um and um in 
1990, it moved to the Baltimore Convention Center. And it is it is to the trade. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you know, the, it's not open to the public. And that's why we thought, we're, we found out things that it, are going to land in, in the garden centers and in the marketplace maybe in two years. You know, because right. our industry, it takes so long to go from like sort of idea, you know, to being on the shelves. You know, it's not just a matter of, you know, you have you, a new color, you'll make it in a Chinese factory and then it's on the shelves in six <laughs> weeks. It's a very different kind of business. Right, so, and it takes ten years to get a plant patented. So and, you know, and in your hands, so exactly. It's really, and it was very nice. And of course, it's it's in Jan. The trade shows are all in January and February because everybody's crazed from like March until December. You know, mm-hmm. um, in the growing season. So it's great to to be there and to connect with people. So um, tell us about the boxwood, Al. If you're uh, sure. Yeah. Um, so boxwood blight was yeah. the big topic um, of of note. Um, and it was, it's caused by this fungus. I'm going to try and pronounce this Cylindrocaladium buxicola. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was reported throughout Europe in the past couple of years, but now here it is in the mid Atlantic States and it's making its way up through New England. So look at your boxwood because chances are you're going to see some horrible, horrible And it happens suddenly, right? Like it goes from being alive to dead within like a, a couple week. of days. or Yeah, yeah, within a week. Um, it really likes these wet, warm conditions. And that's why this fall is really ripe for exactly what is happening. Um, okay. It's been confirmed from North Carolina and Virginia up to Connecticut. And wow, that's very serious. So far, yeah. So, I mean, and their boxwood is a very, very commonly cultivated plant, and it's a, it's an important part of the industry. It's an evergreen, and you know, it's in everybody's garden. Yeah. And the thing is, there's no one variety that's not susceptible to it. That's what's crazy about it is that it's attacking just about every variety that's in commerce and in in your garden so um you know so heads up heads uh, up people. heads up hamptons yeah <laughs> that's <laughs> people right people in the hamptons that have 10 foot high boxwoods might, right might keep an eye on that and there's no treatment for it alice right there's nothing not, that can be done not really not yet um okay. you know of course you want to keep you know there's like a you you can go to your ag extension you know okay. and get some tips but basically initial symptoms are dark or light brown spots or lesions on the leaves you'll see a lot of defoliation um, and and you'll think it's just kind of like oh maybe I need to water it like if you're mm-hmm. if you're untrained mm-hmm. um, and there's also lesions on the stems right. but it's it's a massive blight everybody yeah and, and that's what they were talking about because um, we were asked them what do you you know what are you guys worried about what, what are you excited about what are you worried about you know what, what do you think the season's yeah. going to be like in 2012 and that was on people's minds um, but there was also it was somber yeah it was definitely a somber but there was topic. a lot of good news mm-hmm. a lot of happy news um, shall I get into the perennial plant of the year Alice, yeah for yeah. 2012 of course every year the perennial plant association of America perennialplant.org picks Sort of like the sort of like the Oscars of perennial. Right, you know? I was thinking yeah. that when we were watching the Golden Globes. Yeah, so this, the plant for 2012 is actually it's not a new plant. It's one that we've used for many years in gardens. The best dressed plant is Brunnera macrophylla Jack Frost, which is um, a common name is Siberian Bugloss, and it has. It's a perennial. It's a low perennial, 12 to 24 inches tall, beautiful silver and green variegated heart-shaped leaves. It almost looks like a giant violet. Mm -hmm. And it has amazing blue 
um, forget-me-not kind of flowers in the spring. Extremely ethereal. Very beautiful. And likes shade mm-hmm. and moisture. So it doesn't belong on a rooftop in the sun. But if you have a shady garden and you want something that really pays the rent, because even when it's done blooming, it it still looks wonderful, mm-hmm. you know, because of its foliage. So it looks good with things like dicentra and hostas and other shade-loving plants, but you yeah. can't let it dry out. No, it's an early spring bloomer, but then it, it keeps its... Um it's interest, you know, throughout the leaf, the variegation in the leaf. Yeah, it's great. And when it's happy, it spreads, And but it's not aggressive. It has a lot of wonderful qualities, so I can understand why um, they developed it. So when you're out at the garden centers or looking through the catalogs now um, in January and February and dreaming about your garden, include this plant if you have a, a wet, uh, shady spot. Brunnera macrophylla jack frost so that's one of the exciting things and another thing that we noticed was you know we're we're a green industry but there's a lot of things that are not green about it specifically plastics there's a lot of plastics used um, in the industry and we're starting to see a trend away from that and one of the things that alice and i found which was really interesting is the use of something called rice hulls and Mm -hmm. they've been being used for a while from the south from the south it's a byproduct of the rice industry basically um you know when they take the shell off the rice to make it white you know Mm -hmm. there's this byproduct (laughs) Mm -hmm. right and what are you going to do with it? And you have tons of it, you know, because we have a pretty big rice industry down waste, south. Waste, waste, mm-hmm. waste. So they're a byproduct of the rice milling industry, which is located in Arkansas and Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi. You know. South Carolina. Yep. So what they're finding is that this, these, um, the new product is called parboiled rice hulls. They're finding that um, it is a great aerator in the soil. It makes the soil lighter. It creates pockets of air that's Mm -hmm. really great for the root systems and it um, works better than the product that it's kind of starting to replace which is perlite which is an expanded rock so it's um, it's it's less costly to growers Mm -hmm. it's more environmentally responsible and um, it's not white and looking like styrofoam (laughs) right exactly and that's actually why we went to the show yes because we were looking Carmen and I you know in our landscaping practice here in in the city we were feeling the same way about our waste what are we going to do with our waste and you know we have tons and tons of green waste of green waste and in new york it's particularly a problem because of space so we started to compost this um or some of our this green summer waste. and yeah. fall, some of our own waste instead of dumping it in into the landfill. Um, and we've developed our own soil blend called Brooklyn Blend. It's compost and potting soil. So we were down at the Mance show looking for a soil rep mm-hmm. that would want to take on our product. Currently, we sell it right now at Terrain outside of Philadelphia and the Green Depot. Yes. And at the Brooklyn Botanic Garden Garden Shop. So we are looking to expand. Mm-hmm. And um, we were down there kind of searching for a rep that would want to take this on. So we were also then meeting. There's a lot of new small startup soil companies, which were really exciting. Um, it's using local waste. It's it's doing things like rice hulls and upcycling. Yeah, all kinds of stuff. We found um, <clears throat> those guys in Pennsylvania. Were they organic mechanics? O- organics mechanics. They were great. I, they used. Um, they were ups. They were recycling. Oh. 
potato peelings yeah. from the Utz ch- potato chip factory. That's right. And turning them into compost. Yeah. You know? And I just pictured that um, that Utz chick. You yeah, know, that, yeah. <laughs> that little cartoon yeah. with the winking eye. Because what was the potato chip company doing with the scraps? Mm-hmm. Probably dumping them, right? Mm-hmm. So this kid, he was great. He said, you know what? I, I've, if we compost this and blend it with other things... You know, and, and and now he's selling his product. Boom, and, there's a business. Yeah. <laughs> Obama, you see? <laughs> it's working. <laughs> You've done good. All right. So uh, let's see. Um, more green so, stuff. Yeah, okay. other trends. So continuing with the rice hulls, um, one of the things that, that, that irks me particularly about our industry is the use of plastics. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the plastics, because they're so dirty with plant uh, soil and and stuff and this is what our plants come in yeah they, these they plastic pots. they're grown in plastic pots mostly except for big trees and stuff um so and for urban environments yeah you can't yeah. be hauling it around so what do you do with the plastic trees. the recycling people won't take them because they're dirty even if you clean them they're like it's contaminated it's you know or it's not a number one or a or two no, yes Could exactly a five. there's a lot it's, it's a lot more complicated than just putting plastic all different plastics in a bin so this company called Summit Plastic Company has partnered with Ball Horticulture, which is one of the hugest um, horticultural companies in the world. And they've come up with these rice hull pots, which are a combination of these rice hulls and other kinds of polymers. And they break down. Mm-hmm. So you can leave your plant in the pot if you want to and plant it right in the ground. It'll break down. Or if you want to take it out, it'll decompose. Take a look at this, Alice. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. In the uh, in the landfill, yeah, you know? and they're actually um, they're good looking and they're strong. They were when we were like kind of banging them around. You know, I was surprised at actually how strong they actually are. Mm-hmm. And one more one more comment on ball horticultural. Yes, I want to talk for a second back to kind of the history of mints. This show, which is so huge, um, has some very very heavy hitter sponsors oh yes um so i wanted to name a few of those because we've had several um of reps um on our show here yes, we did yes. so proven winners um they're a big plant breeding company they were a big sponsor mm-hmm. everest which is formerly scott's company you they know were sponsors yeah. scott's lawn seed and they're mm-hmm. they're actually a chemical company um that is has a side business in the gardening. <laughs> yes. And wasn't it Scott's that bought um, Smith & Hawkins several years ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, did. they did. Another big sponsor is Family Farm Insurance. Yes. Um, I'm sure a lot of people know about them. Monrovia, of course, was there. Mm-hmm. And Ball Horticultural. Um, we... we you know, we, we walked through these exhibits and we saw like the oldest seed company in the United States, 1784? 1794. Landreth. Landreth. Yeah. It was really interesting to see giants there and then like little guys, you know. Right. And, and it's also important to remember that the the horticulture, most of these people that are growing ornamental plants, they were farmers first, mm-hmm. you know, or their grandfathers or their fathers or their great grandfathers were farmers. And that's what they were doing. But then when, it, when for whatever reason, you know, economics or otherwise, they started growing ornamental plants. But that's that's the business. I mean, th- that's the background. And there's still many, many of them are family owned. It's pretty yeah. rare to find a nursery that's not family owned. Well, you ball know? horticultural is is the big is you know the 
big example of that. But they started as a family, mm-hmm. you know, company. So Burpee, it, mm-hmm. you know. So it's, it's really interesting because you get to actually meet burpees and balls at this show. Yeah, you're face-to-face with, like, the, the owners, yeah. you know. And they're very happy to tell you, I'm fifth-generation nursery owner. I'm, yes. you know, my great-grandfather was blah, 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 and now here's what I'm doing Right. No. And it's a way for them to keep the land and mm-hmm. keep it in production rather than put development on it. It's a way. So, you know, when we talk about and on this radio station, we talk a lot about supporting farmers. These guys, you know, while not farmers, they're also protecting the land and keeping it in cultivation mm-hmm. that might not be, you know, possible in other ways. You exactly. Know? Exactly. So should we take a break? Yeah. Yeah, why don't we take a break? When we come back, we're going to talk some more about green things that are happening in the green industry. Stay tuned. Food's Market creates win-win partnerships with our suppliers, and we love to tell their stories. Hot Bread Kitchen is a non-profit, multi-ethnic bakery and job training program out of Manhattan, whose range of international breads are as impressive as they are authentic. Learn more at hotbreadkitchen.org or visit one of our six Manhattan locations for a taste. Hi, we're back. You're listening to We Dig Plants on the Heritage Radio Network. That break, that music, um, was a song by people under the stairs and it was called schooled in the trade i like that we're talking about trade and mm-hmm. um and old school versus new, new school, school and trends which is actually pretty ironic because here today at the heritage radio network and at roberta's pizza nike is actually shooting a, f- a commercial at um at roberta's and uh you know old school what's cool and new school what's not no <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, let's get let's get back on the green wagon then. Yes, let's um, get back. So, so another product, um, another product that I was excited about was 
pots made of corn. Yeah. Pots made of corn. Another also, byproduct of corn. Mm-hmm. Can't just eat it anymore. No, no. <laughs> but better than plastic, I think. You know, yeah. if you're going to be in the green business, and I think you should try to, you know... Well, I just, you know, know, there's all this controversy, just one downer, all this controversy about, um, you know, the the cost of the corn into these byproducts. And it's true. Is that really like a good use of money? Right. Carbon footprint. Right. But at least we're growing it ourselves as opposed to importing it. Yeah. So it is definitely a trade off and a choice. But at least now growers have a choice and consumers have a choice. So when you buy the plant and it says compostable pot, it might influence you Mm -hmm. in which plant that you buy. For sure. Yeah. Um, and then branding was a big theme. Yes, it was a branding huge was a theme. huge theme. We actually um, had the privilege of meeting with a rep from HGTV um, who is working on an HGTV collection of plants. So HGTV is now going to brand a whole collection of plants. Um, and and we also learned that Biltmore Estates, the Vanderbilt Estate down in Asheville, North Carolina, now has their own brand of historic plants yes and then we met the grower that's growing these plants and you know the marketing and there was a whole african-american slave um seed 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 collection and an italian and an italian Italian collection collection. you know there's like (laughs) it's kind of fun there's the kitchen collection there's the windowsill collection but it was just really fun to see how people are packaging because look when you're going out to buy a petunia a purple Mm -hmm. petunia you, you know when you buy your your shoes, you're going to choose Nike or Converse or Adidas, right? They're, that's a brand. Mm-hmm. But or people, Reebok. Yeah. Um, right, Jack? Reebok. Or, or, or Superga. <laughs> <laughs> I refuse to buy American shoes. Um, um, but our industry, our green industry, has been kind of slow on the branding bandwagon mm-hmm. because they, th- I think they thought of, for many years, these farmers or ex-farmers thought of plants as commodities, not as something with marketing potential. Do you know what I mean? Well, they didn't think of them as commodities. They thought about them as sharing information. Right, but commodities you know? in the sense that they don't have an identity, like a right, brand, okay. you know? But... Now they're not thinking like that because times are tough and they want to distinguish themselves somehow. Mm-hmm. So they're they're making connections all over the place, you know. So Biltmore, okay, the hugest house in America, right? The biggest America's playground. Yeah, you right. know, the biggest home ever built. Cornelius Vanderbilt. Yeah, when you go to the garden center, you're gonna say, "Hey, oh, I want the same plant as the Biltmore Estate." <laughs> yeah. You know, maybe that will influence you. Yeah. It's just ways of influencing and trying to see, trying to get some more of the of the pie of the you dollar know? yeah right. so um dollars, dollars. yeah so one of the um one of the other trends alice was we talked you and i talked about this was um gardeners are not really gardeners anymore the average gardener doesn't have time the average person doesn't have time to really devote to a wonderful rose no, garden but if you, you know no, but if you buy the right accoutrement you can look like a gardener yes yeah, so we're going to talk about that. there's the identity of the gardener that, that was actually a big theme yes at the uh at the show um there was a a company called uh, Garden Girl. Yeah, out of England. Out of England. They actually had very cute hats and aprons and, 
you know, like colorful, flowery um, parasols. <laughs> I mean, I don't know who would walk around with a ladies parasol. in Charleston. Ladies they in Charleston. Would. Yeah, there. They, it was cute, um, but I don't know if there if you'd actually do any gardening in these clothes. Yeah, I mean, they show. We we liked. Uh, I mean, it was kind of Victorian. Yes, they had like it was. It was very. It's very English. First of all, yeah. can I just comment on the catalog that? I like the models. They're not stick figures, no. okay? These are full-bodied girls, and, yeah. and that's nice for a change, right, Alice? Yeah, sure. And, you know, they're very... I mean, I think they're really trying to... Um, Just be a normal company. And like, also to appeal to women, because mm-hmm. so much of the gardening gear is geared towards men. Like, for example, they're showing a rain suit. Alice and I posted a picture on our Facebook fan page of some of their outfits, the rain gear. I mean, when Alice and I have to buy rain gear, it's like six sizes too big. Right. It's hideous, it's boxy, you know. Right. But this is saying, hey, you know, women do a lot of the gardening, and maybe they want to look good doing it, you know. So, you so know. here's this little mini skirt that you can garden in. <laughs> hey, <laughs> just saying. <laughs> and some fl- there's also fleece. Yeah. Um, and there's a cute. I like the soft shell coat personally. Yeah. I like this little Macintosh. So anyway, um, that was you know appealing to women right. was one of the trends for sure. Um, well, it's just like chefs that wear Crocs. You know what I mean? Does that make you a chef? Has Mario Batali sold more Crocs <laughs> than anyone? Right? Probably. Yeah. So um, other trends that we saw was besides uh, big machines. What do you mean? At the trade show. Oh, yes. There's the burliness of, look how big my machine is for excavating these, you know, trees. Yes. Which actually, you know, is a big deal out in the Hamptons when you've got these huge estates. And And also on the nurse, when they have to dig them up at the growers, you know. Right. But it was very funny. The whole backside. No pun intended. of 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 the convention center was just these monster trucks yes monster trucks with like big diggers and mm-hmm. you know these burly men and a lot of khaki and but wait. you know there were no like models in bikinis around the <laughs> no, like I was, wait, I was waiting for that though yeah. i was like i wonder no, if that's they're gonna the go show. there that's yeah the car show no so there was not like a scantily clad woman on the dutch spade you no, know what i mean like it was no. just men in like fleece and khakis, right? You know? And it was like you know, it was it was uh, caterpillar, John Deere, John Deere, and it was it's really funny to and see. And the mechani- mechanization, um, Alice and I also posted pictures of that on mm-hmm. our fan page. You know, you think that it's just you know guys, you know, immigrant labor or day laborers or whatever, you know, doing this work. There are machines that turn those boxwoods round. They go down the rows uh-huh. and make perfectly round balls of boxwood and plant all the seed yes. and transplant the seed into larger containers and and then sort you know differing kinds of soil into different pots and it's very very mechanized so that's what that's what we were seeing is is these these machinery reps with their like newest toys and their newest mechanics you know like trying to get orders from nurserymen for like you know buy this twenty thousand dollar machine so that you don't have to have a worker you yes know? yeah time saving labor right. saving you know efficiencies tillers it was every it, everything that you can do to give yourself a an slight advantage edge, right you know we met some interesting characters too um <laughs> there <laughs> the show um i'm not gonna name any names but we met this dutchman that we had such a good time with there weren't that many international 
um, people no. there. They didn't Exhibitors. come from very far. Mm-hmm. Um, but except this, this Dutchman was the driest. He was very most funny. Humorous. He was he was a funny guy, and he basically took credit for all of you know. He, he says Holland, according to him, ninety um, percent of horticultural innovation comes from Holland, you which know? is probably true. Yeah, <laughs> you know, a little yeah. boasting, you know, on, on his part, a little bit um, in, he, in a dry humor manner. I know it was kind of it was kind of bold of him to do that at American trade show. <laughs> But that's that's what made him so great. Yeah. That, you know, we we actually joked um, that maybe that was going to be the new taking over, like New Amsterdam. You know, New York was going to be turned back into New Amsterdam by the by the Dutchman <laughs> by the Dutch <laughs> We can do it with the bulbs. We will come back and take it back from your people. <laughs> Pete Odoff, who did who did the High Line? That's, he's going to take over. That's really that's really a ploy just to politically take back. New right, York. he's going to become the mayor. Right, he's going to do it through plants. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there's. A, I can't think of a better way to do it, right? Well, the other really interesting thing was the USDA, you know, yes. has been propagating plants, of, co- of course, we know, for, for farming and, you know, for food. But it was very interesting that we learned that they are in the ornamental business as well. Yes. And they've developed, and we met the agency that is now marketing one of their developments. It's called Pink Lemonade Blueberry. Which is kind of an oxymoron because why would you want a pink blueberry instead of a blue blueberry? Right. But you know, I guess some people want to be diff, like your like your mom says, Carmen. Mm-hmm. Some people do. <laughs> so here it tastes the, good though. It did. It tastes it good. It did. So but it you, was it, you know it's going to be a strange um, approach to to selling blueberries. Well, what I found really interesting was that the USDA was in this business. Mm-hmm. Of, you know, we learned that um, crepe myrtles, which is some of our favorite trees to use in the landscape here in New York. Um, they used to be pretty strictly a southern tree. They were not hardy. The USDA developed these hardy cultivars right. that we use very frequently. Um, I think one is called Zuni, and, and there's many different ones. Right. They all have Indian names. But why is the government doing this? This is what's really interesting. It, it's interesting. They're, so they're in a way they're you know they're supporting the industry. Are they making money on it? No, they're taking those patents if they even have patents. They're sharing that knowledge with growers so that they can right. stimulate their business. Right. You know. Right. So it was it was a very very good show. Um, Extremely eye opening. Yeah, and the last trend I think that we have time for Alice is that there were more native yeah. and wetland restoration companies and growers than I've ever seen. Native, at native, native. Yes, yeah. you know, um, and it was, everybody's going native. Yes, and and we found um, when we were speaking to these growers that more and more like who spends money on on wetland restoration? Well, it's Department of Traffic and you know the feds and state governments. And they want natives. Mm-hmm. They, you know, it's in their like requirements that they, you know, if you're a contractor, you have to put natives in the landscape rather than. You what know. was interesting, though, is that there was a lot of talk about natives, but there wasn't much talk about invasives. And you can't really talk about natives without talking about invasives. I found that pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. They, they, you have to have a balanced approach. But obviously, these people are investing. As we mm-hmm. said, our industry is, it takes years to, to get your product to market, you know, from from the start and um, to develop, you know, an inventory of mm-hmm. mark of product. And they're investing in natives because mm-hmm. they think their thinking is that's what people are going to buy. Yeah, it's true. You know? It's true. It was really fun for us to, you know, Carmen and I have our favorite plants, of course, that we use in our in our palette of, of plants here in New York. But then to be able to, you know, and, and then Carmen and I, we talk among ourselves daily about like, darn it, I wish I could find you know, a 
this um, forest pansy cirsus, this right. red bud that we use all the time, but it's kind of a lollipop shape. And we had the opportunity to talk with, it was actually this Dutchman that we were talking about a few minutes ago, mm-hmm. who actually has developed a multi-stem version of this purple leaf Mm-hmm. Um, Cirsus. So we said, like, oh my gosh, that's great, you know. And we thought we were so coy in asking him as if right. we were going to stump him with this. With this, and he said, oh no, you can get it from blah 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 grower. Yeah. So yeah. we went to that grower booth and we said, what about this multi-stem Cirsus? You know, when is it coming out? And he actually said next year. And it was great because then Carmen and I now can sell this in anticipation to our clients. And it's something that Carmen and I have been noticing that is absent from the market. And we would love to be able to 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 do it and and, and to offer it and, and you know it's it's boring to work with the same hundred plants all the time you've uh-huh. got to get stimulated you've got to get energized for the new season and try new things and that's and, what's you know. fun about going to this show because yeah. also there's a lot of great southern plants that are being adapted to northern environments so it was really fun to f- find out like you know what yeah. some of those were yeah because they're going to affect our business this yeah. spring and baltimore's you know? kind of in the middle you yeah. know like there's the growers that were there were primarily from maryland and virginia so there were some tennessee georgia yeah. there were some southern and oregon oregon there's beautiful ton, plants from oregon we also posted yeah we actually because it's hard to describe plants on the radio we put on our facebook fan page groundworks we dig plants pictures of our favorite plants with the names so that you guys can look for them um in the marketplace you know this spring or maybe you know in a couple of years or something when they get it out there and one other thing that i want to mention is that um obviously the man's show is over but there's another similar show coming up called new england grows and that's february 1st through Mm -hmm. the 3rd and that's in in boston also to the trade to the trade Mm -hmm. um but if you are a gardener um, if or you, a student or a student you can go to these shows and and it really is extremely eye-opening but like wear your comfy shoes because you got a lot of ground to cover there's a lot of uh, information to take in and also i would recommend a wheeled carry-on bag to drag <laughs> yeah, with you my yeah. arms were like two inches longer carmen when was I started. totally looking like a conference lady <laughs> I know, I with like, like oh. bags and there's a lot of free giveaways too actually yeah so. so we were loaded down anyway i think that's all we have time for today thank you for listening to we dig plants and um thanks to our sponsor and thanks to jack and carlos for the best engineering and production work ever yes um stay tuned uh next week we have who do we have susan lissert yes from queen's botanic garden is going to be on we're really excited a very old friend so we'll see you in the garden happy gardening Thanks for listening to this program on the Heritage Radio Network. You can find all of our archived programs on heritageradionetwork.com, as well as a schedule of upcoming live shows. You can also podcast all of our programs on iTunes by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes Store. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for up-to-date news and information. Thanks for listening.